Building the fashion businesses of the future together. Welcome to the future of fashion business. The future of fashion business is about helping aspiring fashion entrepreneurs and designers start their own successful fashion brands by learning from the best, most experienced people in the industry. I am your host, Esteban Julian. For more advice and to learn more about how I started my own fashion brand, make sure you follow my fashion journey on YouTube at Esteban Julian. Welcome to the future of fashion business. I have a very, very cool announcement, very, very important announcement, something that I'm extremely, extremely excited about, and that is that we are back, and we are back for good. Now, a couple of, I want to make a couple of announcements in this introduction, so do expect it to be a little bit longer than usual. Uh, the first thing is, is that <laughs> do expect my English to be a little bit worse than it was. I mean, the pandemic has got my, my English extremely rusty. So uh, I apologize if I struggle to communicate <laughs> a little bit more than I used to. But other than that, I'm very, very excited to be back. And when I, when I mean we're back, I mean it, we're back for good. I have a lot of episodes in the pipe already, a lot of recorded episodes with some incredible guests that I'm sure you guys are really, really going to enjoy. Uh, so that's the first very, very big and important announcement. This is obviously the first episode uh, officially uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in the future of, of Fashion Business Podcast. Now, uh, the other announcement that I want to make is that we will also be from now on uploading our podcast in a video format as well, just so that you guys can have a more varied sort of, uh, I guess, way of immersing yourself in the content a little bit differently because audio format is incredible. It's very practical, practical, but video format in a lot of ways is a lot more immersive. So we'll be doing that again as well in my YouTube channel. So just check that out in the description. It's YouTube Esteban Julian or link will be in the description. Highly, highly recommend you check that out. Now, uh, we will also be introducing different types of content. Now, we will obviously be focusing still on the business part of the fashion industry because that's what the podcast is all about. But we will also start introducing a lot of more uh, creative topics, you know, a lot of not only biz focusing on fashion, but also on beauty, on art, on sculpture and architecture and the businesses in all types, all those industries, not specifically because we're going to diverse into those directions, but because I think it's very, very important. Not only it's going to be a uh, I guess it's something that I've always been asked to do in this podcast. I just hadn't found a, a good way to transition into it. But because if you're a creator, if you're an artist, or if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur that's interested in the creative industries, uh, there's so much benefit for you to learn from everything, you know? And that's the magic about creative industries is that you do have to be focused in your approach, but you can learn from architecture, you can learn from sculpture, you can learn from artists, you can learn from painters, you can learn from. Uh, Tattoo artists, like we're going to do in this episode, you can learn from um, any sort of creator, any talented artist. There's so much to learn from not only their creative process and what they do creatively and the, the, the work that they do and the products that put, they put out, but also from the business aspect of different industries within the creative sort of space. Now, again, the whole purpose is to be focused on fashion but by learning about multi different disciplines, you'll be able to sort of adapt them into your own model, uh, become more educated on the subject, and at the end of the day, enjoy the learning process a lot more. Because, I mean, who doesn't love, if you're a creator like myself or you're into creative industries, who doesn't love learning about all of, all of those different things? So do expect different content based on those things. But again, trying to stay as we've always stayed, which is just the business part of those of those industries and the business part 
of those disciplines, all right? Uh, but as just connecting with what I said just now, uh, this brings us to what this week's episode is going to be about. Uh, and again, it's a different type of content, but a co- type of content I think that you guys are going to find extremely valuable. And that is, uh, I sat down with an incredible, incredible, uh, one of my personal opinion, one of the best tattoo artists that I've ever seen, that I've ever met. His name is Maxime Pleshabushi. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, Maxime. <laughs> You'll probably know <laughs> that I'm, I'm not French by any means. So, uh, but again, I do expect to learn about creativity in this chat. How, you know, a tattoo artist like Maxime, he's, he's always been very involved, not only in fashion, but a lot of other different luxurious or creative industries like watchmaking. And it's just a natural talent when you see it. I mean, you, when, you, when I saw this guy's work, you see, okay, this is something that could be adaptive into fashion uh, or should be adaptive into fashion because, I mean, the, cre- the quality of creativity that get, this guy puts out is something that needs to be noticed. And something that a lot of people should learn a lot from, including myself. So I sat down with Maxime to try to have a chat revolving creativity, not only just focused on tattoo artists or fashion or design, but creativity in general. Because again, it's very important for you guys to understand creativity as something that can be adaptive to to everything in life, and more specifically to different businesses and business models, whether that be fashion, whether that be art, whether that be galleries, whether that be architecture. Uh, so again, as an introduction to where the podcast is going to go in the future, uh, obviously staying loyal to where we come from, uh, I do, I'm very excited to bring this new episode. I hope you guys enjoy the content and as always feel free to hit me up on Instagram at true or on YouTube comment sections, just so that I know what you guys think of the content, what you guys want to know, uh, what type of guests you want to see. I'm, I'm going to be very, very involved with you guys from now on because I really want to ramp this up again as quickly as possible and in the best way as possible. So that being said, sorry for the very long intro. Let's get to the episode. Very, very excited to be back. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the future of fashion business. Uh, super, super excited. Thank you, firstly, obviously, for, yeah, for inviting you. me. Thank you for giving me your time. Can you tell, can you tell us where we are? So this is my um, art studio. This is where I'd like to seclude myself a little bit because obviously um, I work with a lot of people mm-hmm. all the time. And uh, at this point in my life, I probably even do more, you know, my involvement in, in what you you know, see of what I do um, is at this point is probably more management than actual creativity or actual work, like putting in work. Mm. Um, so uh, I, I do need and need some space as well, right? Physical space, you yeah. know. I have, I have. Uh, I mean, it's London. Physical space is is, is scarce. It's not something that um, you get that easily. You have three. Three kids as well, and then a full house, full studio. When I go to the studio, to the tattoo studio, full office. When I go to the office, um, mm-hmm. and that's my little, that's my little, that's your little world retreat. Yeah, yeah. So because you've got you've got a lot of things going for yourself. I mean, you got TTT Tism, and that's I got it correctly. Tattooism. Tattooism. There you go. But it's spelled T T T I S M. Tattooism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the tattoo magazine. I, I call it a tattoo media. It's it's more than a magazine. It's a magazine, but it's it's a it's a it's a media in the most sort of 
you know, uh, contemporary sense of the term in the sense that it, it's a media that is not defined by its form or its outlet or, or its outlet. It's a media because we, we produce information and then we mediate it through different channels. Right. Uh, the channels could evolve, keep evolving. So, uh, so yeah, I call it just, just a media because um, we do publishing online magazine, print magazine, well, print publishing as well, books, uh, we working on video, t television kind of things, etc. So right. it's, uh, yeah, a that. lot of, yeah, so a lot of things. So exactly. magazine is understanding more than actually. Exactly. But it, I guess it could, it'd be a good sort of blanket term for, yeah. for the thing, yeah. Awesome. And then you have obviously Sang Blue, mm -hmm. which is the tattoo studio. Correct. Which just quick note, like, I've been thinking about getting tattoos for a long, long time. I don't have any right now. I saw your work and I think I'm about to get one. But here's the thing, if I get one, I think I just won't stop. Cause you know how it is, right? I, yeah. I know if I get one, that's, yeah, yeah. that's I just I just step to the other place. Yeah. And then you also have Swiss typefaces, Correct. which yeah. is your creative creative agency or what, what you would No, you Swiss it? typefaces is a, is a design studio design very studio. specifically that design typefaces. Mm -hmm. So we, we design fonts mm -hmm. for graphic designers, everyday people, big corporations. Mm -hmm. So Swiss typefaces is only specifically fonts. Sombleu is the creative studio uh, as well as the tattoo studios. It's a creative agency. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, we, we, we actually are in the middle of a sort of restructuring um, because we, we we sort of working a kind of merger operation between Swiss typefaces that's mm -hmm. quite big in terms of turnover and uh, and and business in general and and the other operations where we going to merge everything and sort of restructure with a different segmentation of the activities. I don't want to get too technical on that, but. Yeah. Um, the reason why I'm saying this is that, for example, we are currently setting up a, uh, a, a new project, but it's not a new project, it's actually just re-segmenting re the activity that already exists. So mm -hmm. we, we're currently working on a thing called Physical, which will be a production and uh, distribution company or Mm, or, or, or sort of structure within our group yeah. that will handle distribution for all the different projects. So every time, mm -hmm. anytime Swiss Typefaces or Sombleu or Tattooism has any need for distribution, Physical will be able to take care of that as well as offering distribution to people from the outside. Right. Um, the same way we are progressively st structuring where, you know, we're creating a, a a structure within the group that will handle social media mm. but for each project so we, we we sort of working on on the, the structure structure at the moment the structuring yeah and um, so that you can expand yeah. pretty much into more services and more exactly so we no. so so the idea of that is that we are using things that we do for ourselves mm -hmm. anyway um and sort of just just yeah just, just sort of give them a, a 
a structure that's tangible enough mm-hmm. that it can become uh, also a service for people from service the outside. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And what's because obviously you all you have all of these businesses running right now, but like it's pretty easy to skip through all of the things that you've been through in order to get to pretty much where you're at today. So can you just give us a little bit more background on your personal story, where you come from? Uh, you know, who is Maxine? Um, uh, well, and it's a tough be, question. I know that could be a very yeah. long conversation. Um, I I was born in a uh, very late seventies, early eighties. I was, you know, very young. I was born in, in late seventy eight. So I um, am forty years old now. Um, the reason forty, yeah. The reason yeah, why you look good for that, dude. Thanks, Let me man. just say that you look. You, you could look seven years older than me, and I'm twenty five. Yeah, but the reason why I'm saying that is is because I really got to observe observe the um, the birth of digital the digital world mm. the, the 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 digital culture yeah and and that is very interesting that that sort of defines me i feel to to large extent and and defines what i do um more so even um i was born in switzerland um i was there but but at a very early age i was mostly focused on very intrigued by um everything i mean it, it was in the air, but like pop culture and American pop culture mostly. Um, so that would be, you know, skateboarding and hip hop. And I'm talking about mid eighties, a time when it was very niche, like, like no internet, just a few magazines, a few people doing mm-hmm. that. But I, you know, there was a lot of graffiti around, um, a lot of, you know, rap was starting to be a mm-hmm. thing. Um, it, and uh, and it's interesting because I feel all of that '90s, '80s and '90s culture, mostly '90s. Like I mean '90s, as it, it sort of started peaking in invisibility in the '90s, but it had been obviously budding in the '80s. Um, really sets the base of what is culture today, mm-hmm. and and how individuals behave and, and think, etc. And including myself. But, and on top of that, I really got to see the, the also the birth of digital media, the digital world in general, digital interactions, and um, it's something that I feel I, I think it's very interesting because because I, I, I think still today we are just maybe finishing what what I think is the the first stage. Yeah, the first stage, the first era of digital I think we probably barely starting to enter the second era of, of digital because um, because still to this day most of the things you see on internet or happening in, in relation to the digital world essentially look the way they did 20 years ago mm-hmm. they've been upgraded they've been you know the the, the, the Back, backstage of it has been obviously went from nothing to a huge industry, um, more than huge. Um, but nonetheless, in terms of how things work, how interactions work, how how we interact with the digital world, 
it's still pretty much what it was in um, in in the early 2000s. I mean, it, it really isn't. If you take you know Live Journal or whatever or MySpace, and you take Facebook, well. Yeah, looks a little bit different, but essentially it's still the same. Mm-hmm. And and the way, and even the phone, you know, phones, the way we interact with, you know, it's still, we write, we give a command, it's done, we pass a message. That's still basically it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a photo, is this yeah, and that. Just of the channel's a way of communicating exactly. that has changed. Exactly, there hasn't been, there hasn't been really, and all of those things are, just digital version of things that pre-existed, mm-hmm. uh, that existed before the digital age, and that in in that sense, um, my generation was really able for those who wanted to to, to you know we understand the rules because we made them mm-hmm. in some ways, and this is a really interesting time uh, I think for for people my generation, um, I think who essentially. Yeah, rule rule the digital world, and and I think that you knew how to um, ride the wave, pretty much. Yeah, well, it's more than riding. We we making the wave. I think uh-huh. I think, or, or at least we understand how how the wave works mm-hmm. uh, because we you know because we understand exactly what caused the wave, and then you know I feel that maybe people who are in their early twenties today, mm-hmm. you know, will in the next ten or fifteen years progressively shape they, they're the first true digital natives mm-hmm. and they will get to shape the digital world in the next 20 years but i feel right now it's, it's quite interesting and, and and all along once again like if you if you think of amazon whatever marketplaces it's all as it's all pretty basic yeah it's yeah. all pretty straightforward and really looks like so but it, it's going to change and there's i can get deeper in that as well i think there's there's even more subtle deeper mm-hmm. things there but um anyway so that's kind of where i'm, I'm from culturally uh, so i grew up in switzerland i went to um i went to school i did um i did certain amount of sciences and science science and then went to um yeah, sciences. High, high school. Yeah, Psych- high, psychology. I think you did as well, right? Yeah. So I went to high school for science. Then I went to um, to to, to uh, college. Did psychology. Mm-hmm. Then went to art college, and I did uh, visual communication and photography, uh, with a lot of other little things as well. Um, to my mid twenties, mm-hmm. and I finally moved out of Switzerland. But I had been very mobile before. I, I always wanted to get out I, I, and, and um, you know I have to also th- say my, my parents always traveled around Europe mostly but mm-hmm. took me and my sisters to travel that was really uh, really good I drove very early age gave us a uh, perception of the world uh-huh. around and then that um, and yeah so as soon as I could I left Switzerland which was exactly just right after my graduation well I went to, to Zurich from Lausanne where I'm from were you doing and, uh, were you, did you start getting to tattoo culture when you left Switzerland or was it uh, something that came after yeah, so I'll get there and so um, so um, I went to Paris for a little while I went to communication agencies design agencies then I moved to London for the first time um, in 2005, I think, uh, six, mm-hmm. um, and then it's pretty recently. But, but what is what is interesting is, so I had always been into and interested in subcultures and stuff like that. So growing up in the 80s, 
I saw, you know, what was left of hippies, um, <laughs> uh, punks, you know, yeah. and, and stuff like that around. Hip hop was never not really a thing. I mean, not to the level of other things, goths, whatever, yeah. like sort of those subcultures from the 80s mostly as I was growing up and, and tattooing. And obviously, you know, the, 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 the heavy metal guys, you know, the tattooing was starting to be a thing in that sort of subculture, like mm-hmm. pre, uh, yeah, I guess already kind of gentrified um, subcultures. And um, so I grew up around that and I always had a fascination for tattoos, but it didn't really make sense for me. Uh, because I was not a rock or heavy metal or whatever type of type of guy, and, and but I liked the the, the the tattoos to see the tattoos, and um, and yeah, so so it's it's really when I started um, getting into uh, in the early nineties when when West Coast rap started blowing up, and then all of a sudden there was more visibility um, of the. West Coast kind of street culture, uh, which which for the matter um, includes tattooing. Tattooing is a thing on the West Coast, and 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 historically was a thing way before. It, it was never really a thing on the East Coast, mm-hmm. or in relation to hip hop in particular. Um, and so when I started saying seeing that, I was like, okay, now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And some people started getting tattooed around me. Um, so it's something I have been researching a little bit and thinking about, but um, but as I said, it didn't quite make sense in all sense of making sense. Um, so anyway, in the, in the in 2002 maybe, I started getting tattooed while I was at art school, and I went to to Philippe Le, who was became my my mentor. Um, so but so I was getting tattooed. I never really thought about tattooing as a career. Mm-hmm. So you started with something that's cool, pretty much. Well, yeah, it was more than cool. It was meaningful. Uh-huh. It really made sense, but it's not really, you know, I never even considered making that a career was a, an option at all. So it was like well, that was quite interesting. Um, but but they sort of shifted while I was getting tattooed. So my tattooist at some point mentioned he would uh, be happy to take me as an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Just never something I, I really thought about, and all of a sudden it sort of. Sh- Sort of clicked in my head of like, yeah, that's what I meant that's to do. Um, and uh, but it took another couple of years. He told me, you know, finish your studies, do what you have to do, and let me know when you're ready to go if you would like to do that. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's what exactly what I did. Finished my studies at art school, came to London, worked for a, a year or two after school, and then I was like, I need to get, I need to start tattooing. This is what I want to do. Uh, I'm. I don't think I can be really fulfilled and happy, or fulfilled at least, um, doing other kind of jobs. I want to. I want to be a tattooist, and so I came. I went back to Switzerland from London after about a year in London, around 2000. I'd say maybe late 2007. Mm-hmm. Went back to to, to Lausanne to do a tattoo apprenticeship, and uh, took two years to about 2009. Uh, and then 2009, I was, I graduated, I, no graduation is a <laughs> emancipated tattoo like, uh, artist and, and yeah, it's my 10th year, um, I think September of this year will be my 10th year being a tattooist. 
that's, I mean, considering the amount of stuff that you've done, 10 years is a very short period of time. Yeah, it is. But but in some ways, you know, what is interesting and it could be a long conversation. So, uh, so, so it, it feels that I had done so many things before and I knew tattoo culture really well. I had started Sondre magazine and, and, and plus it's something that I always had a passion for. When I started doing the actual tattoos myself, I just, essentially it felt like I just needed to learn to tattoo, but all the rest, I'm exaggerating of course, but, but I'd say I was ready. Whereas a lot of people learn to tattoo earlier, but mm-hmm. they they also they don't they're not only figuring out the the technique, but also figuring out the culture and the design and and the how the exactly all of that at the same time, and that takes a, a long time. So for for me, it's like when I started learning to act to do the actual tattoos, that was the last thing I needed. It's like all the rest had already been figured. Mm-hmm. Plus, I knew how to do you know business or at least as a as a freelancer you know it's something that i had no problem doing i had always been doing i, I liked you know i had already started a company or two maybe mm-hmm. just, just just because you know just because it made sense and so it was uh yeah i just needed to to, to be able to express myself through that medium through that technique but um that's pretty much all mm-hmm. so so it went pretty fast but i feel i've been i've been tattooing for 10 years technically but in reality you could almost consider that it started when i was getting tattooed because i was already learning so much thinking about what you were going to do exactly thinking you know what i liked how i would approach and i had been an artist or designer before so all of that it had already been sort of matured in my head to an extent yeah because that's that's a topic that i want to touch on definitely in this episode of we have time is obviously finding that creative identity and knowing how to develop yourself creatively Mm -hmm. Uh, but how because nowadays obviously you do a lot of work with a lot of different and i mean big companies and big influencers is quite understanding it Mm -hmm. Uh, i'll ask you to name drop a couple in a second if it's possible but what do you think got you to where you're at today in terms of getting around and getting surrounded and i guess having an authority and different subcultures, like from tattoos, from to fashion, to music, to watches. What was it focused on your work and people approached you because of it? Or were you actively doing something to establish yourself as that creative authority? It, it's a good question, but <laughs> it's a good question, but it's a wrong question. Uh-huh. I, I have, if, if I'm honest with you, mm-hmm. because nothing happens, nothing just happens to you. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's just a complete illusion. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's anyone, whether they earned it or whether they deserve it or not, has had to put some effort in, in doing that. No, nothing just happens to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 you know, the world is full of geniuses who, who will never, you know, get, you know get, get anywhere because, because essentially, you know, because, because yeah, because it's not enough. Because at any point, I realized that there they always was, you know, f- in front of an opportunity, there will be someone equally skilled as you, maybe even more skilled. And, but let's say for the sake of the example, someone equally skilled as you, how do you make the difference? The difference is how articulated you are about what you do, how much of a vision you have, how, good you at selling your vision and your skills 
how down to really down to things that that are obviously even down to political subjects such mm -hmm. as gender race things like that mm -hmm. and um and and all of those things are the things we, we continuously talk about being talented being this and that that doesn't doesn't really you know it, it's, it's never enough but one thing that is important as well and where, where it, it's a bit more subtle maybe in that sense is that there's something very important where you need you need a plan you need you need a vision you need a goal and you also need to have a very 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 strong sense of of self-appreciation and self-criticism because in any situation that people want no one will ever judge you to, or, or to certain levels but people don't won't judge you people don't know you people don't people will usually make themselves a, a very sort of superficial understanding of who you are and and how good you are based obviously there are different levels but most of the time it, it, it's not wrong but it's completely partial people have negative impressions or opinions on you people will have positive opinions and that is irrelevant then my point is that other people's opinions or the, the the mass opinion about you is irrelevant you need to be able to assess your own personal opinion and of yourself and you need to be able to do that against the masses other people's opinion if it comes to that it doesn't mean that you should listen to what people have to say about you because often it's difficult to, to, to evaluate yourself and you need people you trust in you know it could be parents friends whatever choose you know your sort of focus group for yourself but for the rest you need to be able to be like to, to, to be in a situation where someone will be like no you're not the right person for this and you need to still be able to, to, to say or at least know that you you were the right person for that and maybe that person was wrong and you need to be able to say or, or at least for yourself you might not be able to tell that person we need to be able to say no that person was wrong I still I'm the right person for that or be on the the, the, the other hand like yeah it, it's true actually what didn't work the, the the question is not what what this person said about me but what is the objective appreciation of the situation and and was I really the right person or was I trying to pull a bluff uh, on that or, uh, or, or or so maybe I wasn't really the right person or maybe I actually was and maybe that person is wrong so I'm gonna try again in, in, in a different way sure and my point is that when you when you're trying to do anything new especially by default people won't understand what you're trying to do that's the definition otherwise they would have done it or someone else would have done it so the only way to that you can get anywhere through innovation is with this sort of extremely strong but not rigid not but but dynamic ability to evaluate yourself and constantly reevaluate yourself in relation to a situation, but not in relation to to, to people's opinions, essentially. So it's it's an ingredients you need 
to want it. You need to want something. And, you know, it's, it's a mix of things. You know, it's, 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 it's a mix of excitement for creation. Um, you know, you want to create something because you feel it's right and there's no other explanation to that. And then finding the means for that. Um, of course, there's a certain amount of narcissistic reward, probably for anyone, you know, we all have, or at least, you know, I, I, I grew up with a certain amount of, you know, a certain amount of things I wanted to make up for in relation to my childhood or whatever. And that was definitely part of, of a, uh, part of the drive, you know, who, you know, it'd be, it'd be hypocritical to, to not admit that to some people want you know power or money or whatever validation um, or admiration or exactly yeah, whatever, and, and there's, there can be all kinds of of reasons why you're ready to put yourself in that position but 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 those things come on top of the skills of the of the the actual creativity etc and i really understand where you're coming from and i'm, I'm really trying to understand how you manage to uh leverage all that work that you did to yourself beforehand you actually started developing your artwork but tangibly from a business perspective because I think creative people have it's very rare to find creative people that have both the creative talent plus the tangible ability to logically rationalize what the next business step should be for themselves yeah, but I, I don't I don't think so I, I think that if you are creative but to the point that every, everyone's creative to some extent. Uh -huh. But if you are creative, but not only creative, but you set up a practice that becomes successful. So you're not only creative, but you're successfully creative. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and you manage to, to, to express a vision in your creativity. That means that somehow you have you know, there's, there is intelligence. How can I say that? There, there isn't such a thing as pure creativity. Or there is, but anyone that you can identify as creative, they have successfully set up, you know, skills, mm -hmm. a practice that, 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 that supported their creativity to a point that it became a coherent vision that so you can that that, that can exactly that, that someone from the outside can identify. Uh -huh. So what I'm trying to say is if you're if you're a painter or if you're an artist and I'm I'm using you know artist uh, deliberately because it, it's sort of considered the purest form to some extent or the, the most sort of free of uh, of other contingencies um, uh, uh, of creativity and so if you if you're a painter, you have created a system, you know, dealing with materials, dealing with um, your your process, your thought process, all of that. This is management. It is time management. It is material logistical management. Um, it is visual management. All of that is, you know, it, 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 otherwise you're just a crazy person and you just whatever. <laughs> so. What my point is, is that the fact that artists or creative people are often disconnected or perceived as unable 
often they're perceived not that they are, but they are perceived as unable to or not willing to deal with business is mostly a social construction mm. and a conditioning that is that has been perpetuated for very long and that is part of a, of a general system mm -hmm. that has been in place for a very long time where you know where creative people are kept in in their own stigma. little area where they are not supposed to touch business and this is or, or any sort of entrepreneurial mm -hmm. aspects um, of, of what they do and what is very interesting is to see how things like that are sort of instilled in people's minds in students in art schools in, and even before that even you know as, as long as you you know from 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 your whole life you will hear remarks about you know this this person being sellout or this or that this is or every time you hear that notion of, of selling out what does it mean it means that that person had a potential it was great and then they compromised it mm -hmm. with business mm -hmm. with money with whatever most of the time what does it really mean occasionally it's someone who's really selling out in the sense that you know they stop completely focusing completely on creativity and only focus on that this is real selling out mm -hmm. but very often it's not that it's just someone Balance. who has started touching and being like okay well i also want to understand what's happening what happens to my art once it's done how is it being sold can i get to say something about that can i get to say about how much is it it's going to be who is going it's going to go to um, you know what kind of context is going to be showed in um, and and most of the time that is just what people call selling out and it is not selling out it's just people taking things in their own hands I mean and, and this is this this conditioning is so embedded so in society in general in our culture and is still perpetuated by by schools, by art schools, by education in general. So, depending socially, if you grow up in a, in a context where you might be in a in a family where there's more business side of Both, things, yeah. uh, or more creative, maybe then you'll be on one side of, of the fence or, or the other one, and usually you stick to that. And this is, and this is, this is, ninety percent just just a conditioning, and you know there's reasons. There's uh, historical reasons for that, uh, some good reasons, but a lot of bad reasons as well. Because at the end of the day, it's there's a lot of people who are extremely happy to make sure that um, creative people don't interfere too much with the business side of things and who are very happy to keep controlling the, the business side of things. And so um, I think that the, yeah, so that's just what I'm trying to get at. I think this idea is actually a preconception that is true but that is made true by constant you know hammering constant brainwashing exactly of of people of who you are where you in, in, in 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 to, to push people in those categories either you're creative and you don't deal with business or you and you know what it just happened that i was not you know that that i, I grew up in an environment where 
where I could see these sort of of, of the, the sort of yeah and the sort of push towards one category or another mm-hmm. and and I felt that it was not right and because I had had to deal with such you know categorization for other reasons as well and I always felt it was it was wrong and it was not true to who I really was and um, and I, I also quickly identified the fact that if I let myself push in a category I wouldn't be happy there I wouldn't be given I was not ready enough to, to completely comply and 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 play the game of that category mm-hmm. to make the most out of that I tried a little bit you know and I was miserable and I was not performing very well and I was like well I need to sort of accept that against you know against what a lot of people you know want from me then I'm going to do my own thing and and um, and, uh, uh, and and create a category of my own or at least challenge those categories and Going back to what you just said, I mean, just the fact that you had the confidence to make that decision goes back to what you said about actually working on, you know, self-reflecting about who you are, what do you actually want to do. Absolutely. Because if you never go through that process, you never know. That is true, but then there's another thing as well. In, In my case, I never really got a shot at being normal, just being in a category and being happy there. It was a family thing, you know, whatever, an upbringing thing. Um, and there's also a point where it was almost a survival instinct. It was not, you know, it's not like, you know, I decided to be a weirdo or whatever, do my own thing because everything was going so well and all of a sudden I was like, okay, I feel confident. Things were not going so great. I mean, you know, I'm obviously speaking from a place of privilege, you know, growing up uh, in, in Switzerland, middle class family, I'm not gonna you know, complain, but also comparatively to, to my environment, I was, I was not fitting. <laughs> not yet. And, and, and it's not like people were welcoming me to, to do this or do that and everything was going so great and, and then I made the choice. It was like, no, things were not going so great and that I had to make something happen for myself or it would have been, it was a bit all or nothing kind of situation. Um, and uh, I may managed to make the most out of that, but um, but but yeah. So um, but 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 it is. It's definitely by you know. I also refused to just be. I, I never wanted to be a you know misfit. I never tried to um, to, to to be outside of society or whatever. I was uh, quite the opposite. I was. I was always, do, yeah, I was thing. passionate about yeah. things and, and I wanted to interact with people and I was looking for ways to, to, to make the most out of, out of a, a fairly, at the end of the day, you know, but all I wanted was a fairly normal life, you yeah. know, and in some ways that's what I have today. Yeah. You know, I have, I have a, a family, I live in London, I, I do things, you know, I have friends, I have employees and everything. It repeats itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I, I, I have a life that's not that different from the one my parents have. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because you know, what? I've, I've, and I mean, obviously this, this is the thing about creativity that I find so interesting because 
you'll never find a book on creativity, you'll never find a manual. It is entirely a process of self-discovery. And I have this theory because I have a very similar background to you. Mexican, upper middle class family, dad's an architect, mom was, was a therapist, so you know, good environment. You know, my dad didn't beat me or anything like that when I was young, so it's really good. But I never identified myself with anything or anyone around me. So I have this not only internal conflict on what I identified with, mm -hmm. but also a lot of emotional issues that come after that, you know, insecurities uh, or certain events that happen in your life that really got me into a very dark and deep place emotionally. And after I went through that experience, and again, this is just a theory and I just want to get sort of your opinion on it. I feel that somehow it gave me the ability to analyze what I was feeling, mm -hmm. why I was feeling a certain way, look at the things that have happened to me in my life objectively, and use all of those things in all of scenarios to communicate them through other people through mm -hmm. tangible things such as, in my terms, fashion. Yeah, in yeah. your terms, maybe tattoos or collaborations or something like that. Do you, what, do you, what do you think on that? Do you think that's sort of, have you thought of that sort of thing? Do you, does, it, does it sort of relate? Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think, I think that there is a certain, you know, like people, I feel that what I experienced and what, what you experienced is, at the end of the day, when you grow up and you, and you don't necessarily have a sense that you might, you, you, you may not have the sense that there's other people going through the sims, same kind of things, they might not be around you or they might not show it. Mm -hmm. um, but, but in fact, this is, you know, there, there is a certain universality, I feel, that in any, any given society, any given time, uh, you will have, of course, people who don't just, just work so well in, in the mode, in the, in the context, and, and those, well, need to, to, I mean, a lot of those don't have the opportunity, sadly, to, to, to figure things out for themselves and, and, and get themselves out of that. But some others do, and um, and I feel that um, I realized, you know, I feel one thing that helped me is is that when I started looking at skateboard magazines and things like that, I started realizing that there were other people like me somewhere in the world, and they were not necessarily around me. But I was like, okay, there's people who don't just do so well probably don't do so well in school like in in a general context but they're doing beautiful things that i love to look at and and that seemed meaningful to me and uh, and i felt the same started getting into into hip-hop and graffiti and um and and so i feel that this is how you know you can create a culture of you know the sort of alternative culture because there's because at the end of the day, this, the experience you're describing, or I'm describing, is not that unique, and it's actually fairly common. It's just a matter for people to, to see, identify each identify other, and be like, oh, we, we do have that thing in common. And, and I feel that's one thing, as much as there's a lot of stuff I dislike about the digital world and, and whatever, but I feel... Gives you access to... Exactly. To like identify the, the, yourself with somebody out there. Uh, absolutely, and, and I think this, this at least was a huge tipping point for me to really like especially well my space in my case when all of a sudden I'm like wow you know that there's not only a few but there's 
millions of people like me, and 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 I can connect those people right now. Um, and uh, and and that was yeah. So I, I feel that this is one thing. You know, people who just had. I mean, people who just had their whole social life around them physically might have not needed social media so much or digital media so much. Digital media just helps a little bit, but you know, but 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 essentially it just comes as a little icing on the cake or a little, you know. But I feel that social media or digital media have changed radically things for people who, yeah, people like us. And, and, and in that sense, it's interesting to see that the kind of culture that people like ourselves have been part of or have worked to, to expand is now becoming almost the norm and, and ha it is, has, yeah. has, it is so important on social media because, because that is because it's because it is because those people have to put everything in, in in digital media because they still probably don't find you know they attach course, their identities exactly it. and even even though you know I have I have now done that for 20 30 years but still to this day you know I'm, I'm tattooed I look the way I look I think the way I think I go places or I, I drop my kids off at school I'm still the one, you know, person who stands out <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite a bit, and and that's fine, you know. I have my place in this in this sort of little society, and it, and I don't feel badly about that. But nonetheless, in terms of a certain given space, physical space, I'm still a minority, a tiny minority, um, and and I'm, I obviously try to relate with the people around around me physically, but. Um, but but still to this day, where my most of my social life happens is online, not because, and and it's not like it's it's not virtual. It's a real thing, but it just happens to be this sort of abstract place that is a place where that is not physically yeah. a place, it's geographically a place, but it's a place where that culture can happen. And, um, and and that is that is extremely interesting uh, and and special about digital uh, media in general. And that's awesome because I had never thought about it like that. I actually developed my career because I was lost in life for quite a while, and I started doing advertising. And I never thought about it that way because, and I think this is particularly useful for people that do not come from cities like London, do not come from cities like you know New York City, where they they sort of are already immersed in a lot of different things. So it's maybe maybe to some easier to find their identities in certain arts or certain things, whatever that may be. But I remember when I was little, I used to, and this is just so that people can relate mm -hmm. with what a creative person has to go through. I remember I used to look at graffiti at the street or at like a, a, a water tower far away. And again, I was upper middle class, so nobody, like that was straight up vandalism. You know, you'd go to prison for that. Yeah. And I saw them and I remember I hid in my room and I tried to remember what I was seeing and I just copied it by hand what I was remembering. And it was so far off the culture that when I told my granddad that what I wanted for, for Christmas was a graffiti book so that I can know how to draw graffiti, he literally sat down and wrote 
like what he thought was graffiti on a notebook. It was just like A, you know, base. Yeah, he gave me that. And that was my Christmas present. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty cool yeah, story. It's a pretty cool, cool story. Yeah. But, and I mean, again, maybe that's where that drive comes from because I never had that access to anything. Mm -hmm. And so I many people out there that, you know, maybe they're in India or places where that doesn't happen. It, again, it's about going back and you probably think about me, I want to get your opinion on this. That's why most creative people always suggest in order to find yourself creatively or at least find a sense of direction is go back to who you were, go back to your childhood and try to look at everything that influenced you and what drew your attention and ask why yeah, that was yeah. that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, of course. What, what, was, what, was, what were your particular ones? Because I, I, I know it's something super independent and based on the person, mm -hmm. but what would be some examples that maybe other people out there could relate? Was it for you graffiti? Was it for you um, just? I think I think it was just graffiti or other things were just a manifestation of, of something bigger. Mm. I I grew up with very strong values, political values. Conservative. Um, not conservative, quite quite progressive actually, but um but uh but I would say moral values in general that would sort of then be translated into political because my parents were very political and um you know I you know at at I know, like 14, I sort of, I went to school and I said I was a communist. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, of course, with not much understanding of what it meant, but, but, but that's how I, I used to think. And I, I could see in, in the world around me that things that I personally felt were right or wrong mm -hmm. were not implemented that way. And, um, and, and, you know, could be yeah, social things, you know, uh, uh, racism, classism, um, things like that, um, any sort of social, yeah, like discrimination, environmental issues as well. And, um, and, and so what I would say is, so for me, graffiti was like, you know, it was a really interesting example of just saying, hey, why would it be not called to do this? Yeah. What, what? What is the reason why it wouldn't be? Because I think it's cool. Because I think it looks great, and because I think it's 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 fun and it's it's you know, it, it, and and I try to understand why. And I was not just saying like. It didn't. I was not rebelling. You know. It it it's was curiosity. truly. Yeah. It was curiosity. It was truly not understanding why not and do you know what I mean which yeah, is yeah. which is which is a very you know and, and it's still to this day very much the way I am tattooing was always like hey why not like you know I, I you can be you can be you can want it or not want it for yourself but why would it be socially acceptable or not acceptable and now I understand much better why things are, are, are okay or not okay from a social point of view. And you know, on certain things I might may have even changed my mind, <laughs> or at least 
I can appreciate much better why some things are not, mm -hmm. you know, should not be fully authorized or whatever. <laughs> That's another question. But um, but nonetheless, the the fact that I never I, I never saw the only thing that I thought was if I identified something that I didn't find rational, didn't find just right, uh, didn't find uh, me relevant, there were two two scenarios from that from that point onwards in my child childhood brain. Either we can do something about this, either now or later, or we can't do anything. In most cases, you can. But let's say you know either you can within you know your reach, not you know not a completely abstract thing, mm -hmm. or it's clearly out of your hands, mm -hmm. or you know it's in your hands, but to such uh, a long term or yeah. whatever. And if it is in my hands, then I do will something do something about it, or at least I will conduct my life accordingly to what I can following my values and what I find is right. As long, and the last little thing is as long as it doesn't interfere with other people's mm -hmm. happiness or with a reason. <laughs> You know, if, if I identify something that is for the greater good and that for why people might be a bit, you know, uh, it might rub people the wrong way, then so be it. But um, so so it was really the way I looked at things. And, and still, I think I'm very much like that still to this day, mm -hmm. you know, and, and from the way I conduct my businesses to the way I, I, I raise my kids or I try to try to, you know, deal with my collaborators and employees and friends and very often with the best of intentions you still don't know you know you're 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 i'm, I'm facing a lot of dilemma every day oh, you. uh you know every day you know you may be not you, it might not be clear how to follow your your moral values but nonetheless i never stop thinking about that you're on and the i never stop absolutely which ones they are yeah absolutely and every day you're learning and every day your understanding shifts a little bit um, on how to implement your values. And at the end of the day, you'll never get there because it's it's just a continuous process. As long as you sort of know which ones you're identifying and you're getting close to them every exactly. day, you know. The most you can the, the most you can do is is be true to your own values. After that, well, you know, the how you express those might, in fact work against those values well the day you realize that then you shift you know um, it, you no one has perfect vision of everything and how like all the the, the consequences of your actions are, are going to play out you, you never know so you can only do the best of your understanding and, and you need to, to to keep improving your understanding that's the thing you need to always always force myself to Keep thinking and 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 learn and try to any anything that will help me improve my understanding of how my actions impact the world. Mm -hmm. Then I have to take this information on and, and rethink on exactly and, and readjust my understanding of my own actions. Awesome. Well, 
I'm gonna ask one more question mm -hmm. that I think it will be cool to ask, see if we can get it done, because I know I even have to let you go um, less than nine minutes. Uh, and it was going back to, uh, because I don't know if you've noticed, while we're having this conversation, and this will come up for any person that's trying to internalize who they are or anything when it comes to their own creative process, why will come up a lot, and it should if you're doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. But if you notice, and I've noticed that why is probably one of the words that are most important for your creative and personal development, and one of the one of the words that are, I mean, if you, if you could just take a school for example, you're not allowed to ask that question ever, or to your parents, or to your friends, because they, they, it's not it's not a good. It's not viewed as, it's back to what you were saying about being uh, culturally programmed, obvious, to think a certain way mm -hmm. and how that can be detrimental to your creative process and not only that, but to your own, I mean, to your own fulfillment, yeah. you know? What, what's your, what's your, what do you think, what do you think people or people and because it's hard to ask yourself those questions, why do you think people find it so hard? Well, why is because of, uh, I mean, the, the simple answer is, is because of you know, upbringing and, and, and culture but the, there's a reason why <laughs> and you know I don't want to the, the, the contradiction that you need at some point to embrace and accept and, and, and accept that there isn't right or wrong in that is that in some ways as well the only way humankind can function as a coherent or somewhat coherent locally even be it locally coherent um, entity is also when people do behave in a coherent manner mm -hmm. and and if everyone always questions everything it's it's anarchy there's a there's there's a there's a poetic beauty in, in the idea of anarchy I guess but but the, the reality of it is a not possible anyway, but b uh, b is is in fact um, you know completely extremely detrimental to, to, to human uh, to any society. Um, so so on any any level, group action is important and and some coherence mass coherence. If you want to learn even more about how you can start your own fashion brand. Make sure you follow me on YouTube at Esteban Julian. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Future of Fashion Business. Make sure you subscribe to listen to our future episodes.